We've a whistle-stop tour of 20th century history on Search for Truth Radio today, as well as much more about God's astounding power, authority and control. Brian, our Bible teacher, takes us on another episode of The Awesome Sovereignty of God. Today's title is God's Butterfly, and you'll find out why as Brian progresses through his talk. When we learn more fully just what God is like, we'll have a deeper and a more meaningful Christian life, and our worship is likely to be more satisfying. It's all very profitable stuff. So now let's enjoy God's Butterfly with Brian. Thanks, John. For want of a nail, a shoe was lost. For want of a shoe, a horse was lost. For want of a horse, a battle was lost. For want of a battle, a kingdom was lost, and all for the want of a horseshoe nail. That rhyme is said to be based on the defeat of England's King Richard III at the Battle of Bosworth Field in 1485. This was immortalised by Shakespeare's famous line, A horse, a horse, my kingdom for a horse. What happened? Well, Henry, Earl of Richmond, was marching against King Richard III. King Richard knew it would be the fight of his life, for Henry wanted the throne of England. This contest would determine who would rule. On the morning of the battle, Richard sent to make sure his horse was ready, but the blacksmith had run short of nails with which to shoe the horse, with the result that its shoes were not fastened as firmly as they might have been. In the battle, One of the horseshoes came off the horse, and it stumbled. As a result, the king fell, and so was lost both the battle and the kingdom. The moral of that story is, large consequences can be traced back to small events. In the message of Christianity, Jesus' death and resurrection is central. His death outside the city wall of Jerusalem was the result of him being rejected by his fellow countrymen, the Jews. As the Bible records, he'd come to his own people, but they'd not been willing to receive him. This, after all, was a people with a track record of reacting badly to those whom God sent to them, also known as prophets. God had put up most patiently with this type of behaviour right from the start of their relationship with him. They'd formally become God's chosen people very soon after God had delivered them from their slavery to the Egyptians. That predicament of finding themselves enslaved to others was the result of changing leadership over time in the land of Egypt, the land to which they'd initially been invited as guests, and where they'd previously found a royal welcome. Before that, it was a famine that had first turned their eyes towards Egypt. In Egypt there was food, but where they were living there was none. The more favourable circumstances prevailing in Egypt were due to some astute crisis management by a man with God-given insight. And curiously, this man was not an Egyptian, but someone who'd first gained his reputation in that land while being held in prison there. He really ought never to have been in prison in the first place, because he'd been falsely accused of doing wrong, while in reality doing what was right. 
but he was powerless to defend himself because of his employment status. This itself was the result of an extreme case of sibling rivalry, whereby his own brothers had sold him into slavery and he'd been traded into Egypt as a teenager. And what had been the start of this domestic abuse? Nothing more and nothing less than his father showing favouritism towards him and his brothers resenting it. Long story short, those today who are Christians can trace the blessing of their forgiveness back through one man's unwise parenting skills. Of course, it can be traced much, much further back than that, something that's made known to us by the Bible's revelation going way back beyond history itself. Joseph, for of course, he was the Bible character at the receiving end of his brother's jealousy. Joseph summed it up like this in a remarkably gracious speech to his brothers when he was reunited with them and forgave them. He said, and this is Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. We can detect not only grace, but deep understanding in Joseph's words. But perhaps he spoke even better than he could know. For we've traced the flow of events over a much longer period than he was able to. Joseph's brothers meant evil, and no one other than themselves was responsible for that. But God meant it for good. God's controlling of all events does nothing to lessen the responsibility of the human characters involved in the unfolding drama of history. The Apostle Peter's preaching soon after Jesus had been crucified makes that clear. He said, men of Israel, and this is Acts chapter 2 and verse 22, men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know, this man, delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. When they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? Once again, Peter by the Spirit, doesn't offer any reduced human responsibility on the part of those actively involved, even on account of the fact that God had pre-planned it. For he says in no uncertain terms, you nailed him to the cross. This had the effect of producing a true acknowledgement of their personal responsibility and guilt when they said, what shall we do? God's not remote from our everyday lives. He's not at all disinterested in the here and now. There's quite a popular view that imagines God as the reason for setting everything going at the beginning, but which also believes that he's someone who retains no interest in the day-to-day -day affairs of this world. Nothing could be further from the truth. Nothing is too small to escape God's notice. There's a popular notion that's called the butterfly effect. It's the phenomenon whereby a small local change in a complex system 
can have large effects elsewhere. The butterfly effect is the idea that when a butterfly moves its wings somewhere in the world, it can cause a tornado in another part of the world. World War II didn't start with some massive machinations of world leaders. Rather, it culminated into a wide-scale butchery just because of a very small incident in June 1914. Franz Ferdinand, the Crown Prince of Hungary, was going on a ride in a street of Bosnia when his driver mistakenly took a wrong turn and by chance bumped into a revolutionary named Gavrilo Princip. The revolutionary, seizing the opportunity, instantly shot Ferdinand and his wife, who both succumbed to their injuries. Their deaths led to declaration of war on Serbia by Austria and Hungary and supported by Russia. And the frenzy was soon joined by countries like Germany, France and Britain due to several diplomatic treaties that had been signed during that time, which all blew into a full-scale world war. From this came the Versailles Treaty that led to Germany's humiliation. And this gave Hitler the opportunity to come to power. And this, in turn, resulted in a further world war with 6 million Jews and 60 million other lives lost, all stemming from a driver's wrong turn in Bosnia. One preacher commented, One maverick molecule running loose in this universe outside the sovereignty of God, could be the very thing that disrupts every promise God has ever made to his people. By that remark, he was underlining the sovereignty of God. Nothing, no single event, no single molecule is untouched by God's sovereign rule. As the Bible prophet said in Amos 3 and 6, if a calamity occurs in a city, has not God the Lord done it? The Bible proverb proclaims in Proverbs 16 and verse 33, the lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. The most seemingly fortuitous events are ordered by God. The casting of the lot, or as we would say, the rolling of dice, is symbolic of the part that human effort plays in the government of the world. God is above and behind it, but he doesn't work without it. A grain of sand in the kidney of Oliver Cromwell changed the course of Western civilization. Let me explain what I mean. Oliver Cromwell was a political and military leader in 17th century England, who twice led successful efforts to remove the British monarch from power. Cromwell died from kidney disease or a urinary tract infection in 1658 at the age of 59, while still serving as Lord Protector. His son, Richard Cromwell, assumed the post, but was forced to resign due to a lack of support within Parliament or from the military. In the leadership vacuum that ensued, George Monk assumed control of the new model army and spearheaded the formation of a new Parliament, which proceeded to pass constitutional reforms that re-established the monarchy. Cicero once apologised for the Roman god Jupiter's neglect of earthly affairs. He stated that the sovereign of the universe was on the whole a good sovereign, 
but with so much business on his hands, he had no time to look into details. The Judeo-Christian God of the Bible is not like that. It says, and it's God himself saying it in Isaiah 45 and verse 5, I am the Lord and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. I am the Lord and there is no other. The one forming light and creating darkness, causing well-being and creating calamity. I am the Lord who does all these. Thanks, Brian. I hope you enjoyed Brian's talk today. As usual, these study talks are available to download online or as a transcript book. And here's how to obtain the book. Either you can get it yourself by downloading a copy from churchesofgod.info forward slash media, or if you're not able to do that and need to request a hard copy book, just write in and ask for the title our God Reigns. You can use email or the post, and here's our address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wootton Bassett, Swindon, SN48DY, UK. And our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. Now, time's almost gone, but thank you again for giving some of your precious time to be with me today. I value your interest in our studies. Next week, we'll see how God displays his power and sovereignty through proud Pharaoh. I look forward to you joining me, but for now, it's goodbye and very best wishes from our Bible teacher, Brian, our producer, David, our singers and me, John. So see you again soon, and in the meantime, may God richly bless you. Blind